Trinity Baptist Church. Listen to this portion of the story of God. Now the people of Judea approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who were with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. And because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved around the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and the Kenesite ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kirath Abba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. The word of the Lord. I'm just kind of looking. We're a pretty young, relatively young group. So I don't know if you've spent a lot of time thinking about retirement. Anybody thinking about, oh, good, you're kind of planning ahead, that's good. All right, we haven't greeted each other yet, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn and find one person that you don't really know that well. Tell them your name, tell them how long you've been at Trinity, and maybe you've been here for, maybe this is your first time, or maybe you were here when the congregation was founded in 1867. I don't know. Um, Just say, hi, I'm Keith. I've been here 22 years. And here's what I want to do in retirement. All right? If if, If money was no object, if you had all the resources that you could imagine, what would you do in retirement? All right? So turn, find somebody, and introduce yourself. All right? Ready to go. Okay. Enough retirement planning. Okay, this obviously struck a chord with folks. You're liking this. You're liking thinking about this. Who has something exciting planned? Anybody? Erica, what are you going to do? 
She's going to live all over the world and write. I like that. I like that. Going to Nepal to do music ministry in orphanages. And if you haven't heard Angie sing, that would be amazing. <laughs> John. Okay. In retirement, he's going he's gonna to do art and biochem on the beach. I like it. Okay. Um, that only has something tangentially to do with what we're talking about this morning. We are, um, we're in this series called Taking New Ground, where we've been walking through the book of Joshua, learning some new things about how, how we can take new ground in our lives spiritually. And we have come to this section of the book, chapters 13 through 19, that when you read them, they're actually pretty boring, okay? I know I'm not supposed to say that because I'm a pastor and it's the Bible, but it's boring because it's just names and it's land allotments and it's, and it's boundaries and all this stuff. But tucked into all of that stuff, there's some wonderful jewels of spiritual truth. And one of the jewels is this guy, Caleb, that Betty read about this morning. And so I think there's some things that we can learn about Caleb and about retirement that will help us as we think about what it looks like to, to inhabit this new ground spiritually that God has called us into. So if you'll turn to Joshua chapter 14... I want us to, to look at, at this guy by the name of Caleb. With, if you read verses 1 through 5 of this chapter, of chapter 14, you, you would see that it's just kind of the summary of these tribal allotments of nine and a half tribes. And you might recall that two and a half tribes had already been given their land on the east side of the Jordan. And so, essentially, 1 through 5 tell us that Joshua is joined by the high priest Eliezer and by one representative from each of the 12 tribes to oversee the assigning of the land. But I want you to notice verse 6. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him. Now stop right there. Who is this guy, Caleb the Kenizzite? If, if you were here in January when we began this series, and yes, we've been in it for four and a half months, um, you'll remember that we talked about the, when Israel came to the, the banks of the Jordan the first time, and we're looking at the promised land the first time, they sent... Um, 12 spies into spy out the land, and all 12 of the spies came back with the same report. Yes, it's awesome land. It's flowing with milk and honey. Um, it, it, it's, it's a fertile land. Uh, but there's big people there. There's fortified cities there. They've got iron chariots there. So they all came back with the same report. Ten of them said, because of the, the obstacles, because of the opposition, we can't take the land. 
But two of them said, yes, we can, because God's with us. Those two were Joshua and Caleb. Um, so J- Caleb was one of the, the two spies who, who had faith that, that God would give them what he had promised. And because, if, and if you read in, in Numbers 13 and 14, you'll see that in, in chapter 14, because of Caleb's wholehearted commitment to God and his faith in God, God promised to give Caleb the land that he spied out. The land that he did the recon on. Now, there's something else we need to know about Caleb. Caleb was a Kenizzite. Who are the Kenizzites? According to Genesis chapter 15, the Kenizzites were among the people who lived in Canaan. You see, the Kenizzites were were people that lived in this land that Israel had just conquered. The Kenizzites, um, well, and Caleb was a Kenizzite. That means that Caleb was not by blood an Israelite. He was not a Jew. But at some point, and we don't know exactly when, maybe it was while they were in Egypt, maybe it was... Um, early uh, when they just came into the wilderness. We don't know exactly when. We do know that it was at least 38 years prior because he was one of the spies who went in to spy out the land. All we know is that at some point, Caleb came to identify with the people of Israel and he put their faith in the God of Israel. He was a foreigner. He was a Canaanite. And yet... He had faith in the God of Israel. That's all we know about Caleb empirically. But what I want us to do is I want us to look at these verses and I want us to identify some things that we can glean about Caleb from the land that he chose to go after. Look at um, verse 14. The, The land that Caleb requested was the land of Hebron, which, interestingly, is the only land that is described in detail in Numbers chapter 13. And evidently, it is the land that Caleb himself spied out. And I don't think it is coincidental that this foreigner, this Kenizzite, who had become a Jew by faith, went in and spied out the land of Canaan, or spied out the land of Hebron. And the reason I don't think it's coincidental is because Hebron was and still is a very important city, a very important region in Israel. Hebron was the land that that Abraham went to initially when he came out of uh, Haran and, and went into the promised land. That's where Abraham went. A- Hebron where, was where Abraham worshipped God. It was where God gave his covenants to Abraham, the covenant of, of, of land, the covenant of seed, the covenant of the, the Messiah who would come. Hebron was the place that Abraham and Sarah were buried, uh, the place that um, Jacob and 
uh, Isaac and, and Rachel and Jacob and Leah were all buried. This Hebron was probably the most sacred. If there, were, if there was a sacred site in Canaan, Hebron was it. Because Hebron had all of this history of the nation of Israel. And so I can imagine that Caleb, as a new convert, as somebody who's, who's come to faith in this God of Israel, and, and he's, he's heard the stories about the patriarchs, and he's read the histories, and, and so they come, and, and after growing and worshiping the Lord for 38 years, he comes to the land, or, or he, when he goes to spy out the land, he's been learning about the Lord, and so he says, I want to go see that land. I want to go see that part of Canaan that has such rich history for my newfound faith. So he goes and he spies out this land where Abraham has worshipped because this is the God that he worships. And by the way, the, the name Hebron literally means in the Hebrew, fellowship. It was named that because that's where Abraham had his fellowship with God. And so Caleb wants to go and, and fellowship with God there. I don't know if, if this means anything for you, but I think it's significant that of all of Canaan, God would specifically choose to give this most sacred of Jewish land to a Kenizzite, to someone who was not a Jew by blood, but was one who had come to faith. I think that speaks to the heart of God for those who would follow him by faith. There's something else about Hebron that Caleb and the other spies saw, though they reacted very differently to it. In Numbers 13, when the spies came back, they reported that they had seen descendants of Anak. And in verse 15 here, it tells us that, that Hebron used to be named after one of these Anakites. When you read through the, the Old Testament, you will see that, that the Anakites are over and over spoken of to be this, uh, these people who are large and, and, and terrifying. They are... Uh, they are a foe that nobody wants to come against. In fact, in Deuteronomy 9, the question is asked, who can stand up against the Anakites? Implying that it's impossible to win victory over these huge, um, dominating, terrifying people. So, Caleb does his reconnaissance 30 year, 38 years prior. And he goes and he sees the beauty of the hill country. He experiences the history. Uh, but he also recognizes the opposition in the land. But when he returned to Kadesh Barnea, he was looking through the eyes of faith, just as Joshua was. They believed that God was bigger than the opposition. They, they believed that God was a God of provision, that that God would enable them to overcome any kind of opposition that they were facing. And his convictions hadn't changed over all these years. Look at verse 7. 
says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. What were those convictions? God can do this, right? God can enable us to take the land, and those convictions hasn't cha- hadn't changed. But my brothers who went up with me made their hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, <coughs> followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. Verse 12. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. Don't you love this guy? There's no quit in him. He's 85. And there's no diminution of faith. Um, For 38 years in the wilderness and another seven years of conquest, he has dreamed about this land. He's dreamed of the day when he would get to see what God would do that would enable him to take this land that God had promised him. I don't know about you, but I love that. This this guy had a promise of God that he held on to for 45 years. And he wasn't going to stop until he saw what God would do. He was going to hold on to that and step into that. Isn't that awesome? And isn't that convicting? How many of us have received a promise of God through His Word? And we, we've known because of the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to us, and we've read the Scriptures, and it's hitting us, and we know that's a promise of God to me. And we hold that with conviction. And then a week goes by and nothing happens. And then... A month goes by and nothing happens. And our conviction begins to diminish. And then another few months go by and nothing happens and we start doubting the promise altogether. Right? What if you have to wait for 45 years to see the promise fulfilled? What if you have to keep fighting and fighting and fighting to see the promise fulfilled? Caleb not only held the conviction for 45 years, but when he saw the opportunity, he stepped into it with expectation that God would deliver on his promise. Friends, has God made a promise to you in his word? Are you expectantly looking forward to its fulfillment? And are you stepping into the opportunities that God gives you so that you can take part in its fulfillment? That's what Caleb did. Caleb was a remarkable man. And there are a number of things that you could probably point to, but I want to just point to three this morning. 
Number one, he was a man of unwavering faith who gave himself completely to God. There was nothing really complicated or sophisticated about him. He simply believed that God would do what he promised he would do. That regardless of the circumstances, God would be faithful and therefore Caleb was faithful. When when the spies first came out and they all had this same report about the land and the people and the cities and all that stuff, ten of the spies looked at the land, looked at the, at the giants through the perspective of their own strength. Caleb and Joshua looked at the giants through the perspective of their God. The ten were terrified. The two triumphed. Ten, the ten were, were afraid to go in because of what they saw, because of the opposition. Two said, no, our God is big enough. Our God is a God of provision. That was Caleb. Ten had great giants but a little God. Two had a great God and little giants. There's a, a, a New Testament example of this in Matthew 14. Remember the story of Peter walking on the water? We've, we've all read that. And, um, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me to come to you. And, and the Lord says, come on. And so Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking on the water. And as long as he keeps his eyes on Jesus, what happens? He's doing just fine. But when he takes his eyes off Jesus, when his focus gets off the Lord and he starts focusing on the circumstances, what happens? He starts to sink. Friends, the same is true for us. As we are taking new ground in our lives spiritually, as we're... um, striving to move forward in our relationship with God, as long as we keep focused on Jesus, um, we'll be able to do just fine. But when we take our eyes off, off Jesus and start looking at the giants in the land and start looking at the fortified cities and start looking at the winds and the waves all around us, that's when we start to sink and that's when we lose the victory. Just as Caleb had this unwavering faith where he was completely given to God. He kept his eyes on who God was. That was the secret for him. And that's the same for us. The second remarkable thing about Caleb is that he served the Lord wholeheartedly. What does it mean to serve the Lord wholeheartedly? To serve him with your whole heart. It's not rocket science, okay? It means to give him undivided devotion. It's what Jesus said in, um, you know, to the Pharisees when they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, well, here you go. You want the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That's it. Basically, he was echoing what Moses said in Deuteronomy 6 in the Shema. 
He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Friends, that's what it means to to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. It means that we give Him our all. Nothing is more basic to true discipleship. But I guess the question is, how many of us can actually say we do that? Or maybe uh, even a more telling and convicting question is, how often are we really concerned that we're not doing it? Caleb did it for 45 years. Um, 45 years persevering through wilderness and battle. He says, I have followed my Lord wholeheartedly. How about us? How many of us can say that for the last 45 hours we followed the Lord wholeheartedly? Or how about for the last 45 minutes? I mean, even as you've been sitting in here, has your heart been undivided toward Him? Or are you thinking about this thing and that thing? Friends, if we're going to experience the fullness of God and experience the spiritual victories He has for us, we must serve the Lord wholeheartedly. The last thing I find so remarkable about Him is that, I don't know how to put this, He was old. He was old. He was 85 stinking years old. And... He's still trusting and serving the Lord. He said in verse 10, So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out into battle now as I was then. This guy is the ex-man of the retirement home. Right? I mean, he's like, bring it on. Uh, We think about getting to 65 or 70 and... And retiring from work and getting that golf cottage down in Florida and, you know, watching the grandkids grow up and working on our golf swing. I mean, that's kind of our vision of retirement. Just check out, put our feet up, chill. Caleb at 85 says, who says anything about retirement? At 85... Caleb says, there are still Anakites to fight. Let's go get them. And keep in mind, these are not 85 years of smooth sailing. He spent at least 38 years wandering in the wilderness and then another seven years in conquest. This had not been easy for him. But he's not finished. He wanted to finish strong And he wanted to go out with a victory at age 85. And you know what? He did it. Turn over a page and let me show you something. Chapter 15. Look at verse 13. In accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave Caleb, son of Jephunneh, 
a portion of Judah, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the forefather of Anak. From Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Sheshai, descendants of Anak. You try to pronounce all these names. Ahiman and Talmai, descendants of Anak. And catch this. He took Hebron, but he wasn't finished. Verse 15, from there they marched against the people living in Debir, formerly called Kiriath Sefer. Don't you love this guy? 85 years old and he's still going. He's like the original Energizer Bunny. Verse 16, he's not done. And Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer. He's throwing out challenges to the young guys. He's saying, dudes, check her out. (laughs) You want her? You go do what I did. You put your faith in the Lord and you go take the land. I hope by God's grace, that when I get to 85, I still have the vitality and the urgency and the commitment to serve God as Caleb did. I love this. This is my new hero in the Bible. I think he's awesome. A few years ago, Deanne and I were um, having a conversation with, with some friends, and, and at the time, they were in their mid-60s, and they'd been serving the Lord for a long time. And in the course of the conversation... They said, we don't like old people. And I'm thinking, well, dude, you're, <laughs> you're not young. He said, we don't like old people because they don't have any new ideas. They don't, they don't have any new initiatives. They don't have, you know, poured their energy into service. We just don't like hanging around them because it brings us down. And our friends were not doing those things. Our friends were investing in young people. They were investing in leaders. They were helping people to see the possibilities of life even into 60s and 70s. And they're still doing it today. What are the takeaways for us? First, we need to recognize that there's no such thing as retirement in service for the Lord. Like Caleb, we need to serve the Lord wholeheartedly until the day we get promoted to the place where we will serve Him face to face. You don't check out. And serving Him wholeheartedly means that that we continue in that long obedience in the same direction that we talked about two weeks ago. It means that like Caleb, we drive out all the pockets of resistance, even if they are giants, trusting that God will enable us to do it. You know, when you read through these chapters of 13 to 19, you're going to see, even as boring as it is, you will see little verses like in, in chapter 13, it says, and they did not drive out the, um, the people of Makkah and Geser. You'll see in chapter 16 that it says they did not dislodge the Jebusites. You'll see in chapter um, 16 that they, they did not dislodge the Canaanites. Why do you think it is that 
there were some of the the Israelites who would come into the land that God had given them, but they couldn't drive out the opposition. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they couldn't do it and this 85-year-old grandpa could? I think it's because they didn't have the commitment to the Lord. They didn't have the commitment to being obedient. They got to a place where they were tired of fighting. We've been fighting for seven years. Tired of this. I just want to retire to some peace and some comfort. And so they let these pockets of resistance stay. And as you read through the history of Israel, that was Israel's downfall. Brought them down. Friends, God doesn't say anything about retirement. I don't know where you are in your life right now. There may be giants in your life that need to be driven out because giants can cause us to take our eyes off Jesus. And those giants might be things like comfort. They might be things like material possessions. It might be uh, peace, conflict avoidance. It might be a relationship. Whatever it is, God will show you if you ask Him, but what He desires from you is wholehearted obedience. That you love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you're thinking that the giants are just too big for you to drive out, may I be so bold as to say that you have probably clouded the issue by taking your eyes off Jesus and putting them on the waves, on the giants, on the circumstances. And when you do that, that's when you start to sink. Caleb's secret was that he kept his focus on the Lord. He kept his focus on what God had promised him and he believed those promises with all his heart and he kept walking toward them. What does Hebrews 12 tell us? Hebrews 12 tells us that says, you run, your, you run the race keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. That is the life of Caleb. And I think it's just awesome that this Kenizzite would come to put his faith in the God of Israel and he would experience the truth of this God to such a degree that he wholeheartedly served him over all these years to the very end because he believed that God would do what God said he would do. And the challenge for me is, and I think the challenge for us is, do we believe that God will do what God says he will do? And if we believe that, then we will continue to step into that. And like Caleb, we will go out swinging.
Amen? Let me pray for us. Lord, I am so grateful for the testimony of this man. I am so challenged by that testimony because I just, relatively speaking, I have little faith. I believe in your promises for a while, but then I start to doubt and I start to want to throw in the towel. But I thank you for the example of this this guy who just doggedly pursued you and pursued the promise that you'd made and knew that you would enable him to claim that land. Lord, I pray that you would give each of us a vision for that, that new ground spiritually you want us to claim. Speak to us through your word. Speak to us through others who who uh, who would be your mouthpiece in our life <coughs> help us lord to hear from you what that new ground is that you want us to claim and then lord let us walk with dogged perseverance toward it serving you wholeheartedly heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then, Lord, let us be able to rest in the victory of that. For your name's sake, amen.